Philanthropic values that align with Dakota values are generosity and reciprocity. Philanthropy is all about the love of humankind. Hello, welcome to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. I'm your host, Cole Primo. And I'm your other host, Leah Lem. So Native Lights is a place for Native folks to talk about our gifts and how we share them with our communities. It definitely has a Minnesota focus. And, you know, we talk about a lot of things, wide range of issues, wide, wide range of perspectives, all while sticking to the core conversation about purpose in our lives. So there we go. It, you know, it, this week again, we are resharing a previous Native Lights chat. Uh, this time, it is from our very first radio version of Native Lights with Daniel Lem. And you'll notice we have the same last name. That is because we are married. <laughs> I don't know. I think since I'm married to him, maybe you should give you should introduce him, Cole. So Daniel Lem, aka my brother, uh, is of uh, the Lower Sioux Indian community. He's also currently the chief financial officer at the Charles K. Blandin Foundation, um, and as you mentioned, he is uh, your your spouse. Um, and I've always known him to be somebody who's really great with with numbers. He's helped me with my taxes in the past, so. <laughs> But um, yeah, I, I I love the the um, this episode because I mean, not only does uh, do we get to hear his great story, but I, you know, it uh, helps to reassure me that you uh, chose correctly when you <laughs> just joke. Um, but yeah, yeah, he is pretty great, um, and yeah, so really excited to share this conversation, and we're resharing a few conversations here um, lately because we are doing some behind-the-scenes work on Native Lights, uh, trying to yeah. set us set ourselves up for a bit more um, community interaction, audience interaction, and do a bit more like that on social media and stuff like that. So if you're not following us, we're actually on Minnesota Native News. That's where we share Native Lights stuff on Instagram and Facebook and mm-hmm. Twitter. Yeah, we got a Twitter. We got a Twitter. <laughs> yeah, we have a Twitter. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm not a social media's person, um, but I'm going to try. So yeah, so look out for that. Um, And as we are gearing up for that more, we'll be sharing some of these conversations, but we will be back soon with more fresh, fresh ones. But I always, I love all these conversations because I think they're all fresh, no matter what. So hello, my relatives. I greet you with a good heart and handshake. My name is Daniel Lem, or in my Anishinaabe greeting, I'll say, Buju. Buju. <laughs> yep, Daniel Lem is my spouse and our first chat. And in my years of interviewing folks now, I have never interviewed him. I see that he's working on his Dakota intro and his Ojibwe Muin intro. 
It's great. You can see which one he's better at. <laughs> so at the time when we talked, when he and I talked for this interview, um, our kid was asleep. At the time, it was about 6.30 in the morning, and we didn't have enough coffee in our systems yet. We're a little subdued, you might notice. So You're asking me questions while I'm still in my comfy? <laughs> Cole, you got that for him, yeah. right? His a comfy. A few holidays ago, I, I remember getting that. It's like a big comfy sweater, and it's pretty ridiculous looking, and I'm glad that <laughs> he did the interview on that. We fight over it, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, a little background info on Daniel, and I guess kind of both of us. We currently live in Grand Rapids, Minnesota, and it's Daniel's work that brought us up here. So Daniel knew his gift for numbers at a young age and searched for the best way he could share that gift. He created big goals for himself that also serve communities through philanthropic work. Philanthropy is basically when someone or an organization provides resources to another to benefit society. So it's kind of like an individual giving money to a charity like a soup kitchen to the Gates Foundation giving millions of dollars to fund flu vaccines, kind of like that. Yeah, exactly. So like we share our gifts with our communities and celebrate those doing so here on Native Lights, philanthropy does the same thing. It embodies that value that we talk about. And Daniel will talk more about how philanthropy aligns with his Dakota values of generosity and reciprocity, basically helping each other out. My job title is chief financial officer, and I work at the Charles K. Blandon Foundation. What does that mean? It, it means that I lead the finance function for the foundation. I'm also a member of the senior leadership team, which has responsibility for the organizational as organization as a whole and how, how we work together uh, to advance the mission of the foundation. Working in philanthropy in the position that I have allows me to give back to my community in a way that, that I think maximizes my gifts and benefit to the community. So the Blandon Foundation's mission is to be a trusted partner and advocate to strengthen rural Minnesota communities, especially in the Grand Rapids area. Their vision is healthy, inclusive rural communities. And of course, tribal communities are a part of that. And the CFO helps make sure the organization, like the Blandon Foundation, is financially healthy. Daniel also keeps an eye on the organization's investments, which is an area that has the opportunity and he believes the need to be re-strategized across the philanthropic sector as a way for foundations to improve upon their positive social impact. There's, there's been a, a traditional viewpoint on how to invest, and it's for short-term profits. It's to maximize profits for investors, which I think is absolutely the wrong approach. They're just trying to make as much money as they possibly can. So they work toward financial returns, and I believe in financial and social returns. So the sustainable and responsible investing is a way to invest for financial and social returns. So like imagine if you are doing like green initiatives, like helping the environment, you know, with that um, money that you're give, granting out, but instead you're just blindly investing in the stock market where you're you might be investing in companies that are 
working against <laughs> the environment. So just having that uh, awareness of what you're investing in, not just trying to get maximize your return, but also while you're trying to maximize your return, also make sure you're investing responsibly with those large sums of money. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. I'm your host, Cole Primo. And I'm Leah Lem. This program is made possible by the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today we're hearing from Daniel Lem from Lower Sioux Indian Community. He's a finance professional living in Grand Rapids who wants to use his gifts, values, and perspective to help get resources out into communities that need it and in a good way. And he's also my brother-in-law. His path to this career was not linear. In fact, he faced some pretty big challenges, but he credits the help of others and luck, along with his choices, to achieving his goals. I always had a gift for numbers and not complex mathematical equations, but really the basics and being able to hold numbers in my head and see patterns with them. And I wanted to find a job that gave me the opportunity to be able to do that. What I've been able to accomplish, uh, there's no way that I've done that on my own. Growing up, Daniel lived with his parents and three siblings in Egan, and he played lots of sports, um, definitely a big sports guy, and I'm not sure if, if we were in high school together that we'd actually hang out. <laughs> <laughs> but And he was also a bus patrol captain in fifth grade. So he's so always cool. been very, very by the book. Yeah. <laughs> After high school, Daniel went down to Iowa State in Ames and studied finance. Go Cyclones. The first half was pretty typical college experience. Uh, learning how to uh, be on my own, uh, away from my parents learning money management skills, time management skills, social network skills. And it was right about in the middle is when my, uh, my sister Becky was killed in a car accident. Life changed significant for me after that. And it was hard for me to focus on my studies uh, and just to deal with such a loss in my life. Becky was very important in his life, and when he talks about her, he talks about how smart, athletic, and nice to everyone she was. He really looked up to her, and his whole family was devastated, understandably. Yeah, I, I can't even imagine. As Daniel tells it, he relied on alcohol to numb the pain of his significant loss, and it was a crutch for quite a while. I still, still got the job done, still graduated. Uh, it wasn't always the fun and lively experience or educational. It was, it was difficult to focus on, on my studies. I just did the best that I could to get through. Yeah, so if there's one thing I know about Daniel, <laughs> and I know mm. a lot, <laughs> it's that he's a pretty determined guy. Uh, when he was done, he wanted to continue working in construction, but he actually got injured on the job. During the summers, I was a roofer and waterproofer. So the, the plan after graduating from Iowa State was to fine-tune my construction skills 
and eventually start up my own business. So I was, I was on that path for a couple of years until I had an accident with a miter saw, which cut through about 90% of my finger, uh, which was not a fun experience by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, and it took me a couple of months to uh, rehab after it got stitched up and, and all that good stuff. And it was a good eye-opener that the best laid plans of mice and men often go awry. Holy. <laughs> wow. I love how calmly he describes such a traumatic finger injury. Ooh. I know. Ugh. So his plans changed. Um, he had to rehab his finger so he couldn't do the same job during that time. Uh, but he got quite a bit of help from family. And one example of that was his grandparents. While I was rehabbing uh, my finger, uh, I was thinking about, is this really the right path uh, for me? Uh, and perhaps, you know, with a, a degree in, in finance, is there an office position uh, that I might be better suited for? So while I was rehabbing my uh, finger, my grandparents sent me a newspaper clipping for... Uh, Po- job posting at Lower Sioux for the f- uh, finance director position. And my grandpa had written on that newspaper clipping, uh, Daniel, I think this is something that, that you could do. And I took a look at it and I thought, you know what, why not? Let's see, uh, let, I'll, I'll submit a resume, go see if they're interested in uh, considering me for, uh, for the position uh, and see where that takes me. So Ended up being hired and spent 18 months learning more about my community, more about my leadership skills, which includes how to communicate complex financial information to non-financial people. So by getting in and doing the work, uh, applying theory to practice, that's when I knew that finance and accounting was the kind of work that I wanted to do. And after Lower Sioux, Daniel went back to the Twin Cities to work at Native Americans in Philanthropy, or NAP. So NAP brings together those working in philanthropy from across the U.S. I got to meet so many people doing such amazing things that it was inspiring to be a part of the organization. There's so many ideas out there so many ways that people are working to improve the lives of, um, of people in their community in so many different ways from health to economic, cultural. I mean, go down the list and there's somebody out there doing amazing work. And one of those places he saw doing amazing work was the Tiwahe Foundation, where Daniel was a board member. One of the main activities of Tiwahe uh, was to make micro-grants, so between $500 and $2,500 to individuals uh, for the purposes of cultural reconnection, educational achievement, and economic sustainability. And Kelly Drummer, who's the president and CEO at that time, uh, would always report back to the board about the impact that those grants would have uh, to the individuals who receive them. 
the cost of, of college or how that money can be used to seed a business opportunity or for somebody to uh, go out and purchase uh, supplies so that they can make regalia. Uh, one of the grantee stories that was told during an annual gala was how a grantee was able to receive support so that they could go back home, back home to Alaska, where they hadn't been in years, and be able to connect with, uh, with their family, their friends, their relatives, to their, to their early identity, to their homeland. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. This program is made possible by the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today we're hearing from Daniel Lem from Lower Sioux Indian Community. So Daniel was working at Native Americans in philanthropy, and he was super inspired by the stories of people bettering themselves and their lives and their communities. Though working with more folks around Indian country was a switch and came with its own challenge. But I, re- I remember one of the last conversations that I had with my grandpa and it was when I was working at Native Americans in philanthropy and traveling around the country and you know, meeting with uh, indigenous people you know, in their communities and at conferences and just getting out there and uh, telling people, you know, when they would say, you know, where are you from? I'd say, well, you know, I grew up in, in the Twin Cities. You know, I'm, I'm enrolled at Lower Sioux. And when I would tell people that I'm uh, indigenous and... I look the way that I do, and you know, I always get the, the head tilt as if people are trying to calculate how is this possible. <laughs> so you see, Daniel is white passing. My maternal grandfather was Marvin Pendleton, was stationed in Anago, Wisconsin. It's where my grandma was from. They married and, and started their lives together. Something that my grandparents always made sure that I knew was that I'm a descendant of Taoyate Duta, uh, Chief Little Crow, who as uh, historians and I think people know more now, was the Dakota leader during the U.S.-Dakota War of 1862. And that was, that was always spoken of very highly in a sense of be proud of of your past, be proud of your ancestors. And they were strong and they fought back when they absolutely had to. You know, I was, I was growing frustrated with that by people challenging my identity. And I wasn't yet comfortable in my identity. And I was telling my grandpa this story and he, he sat there and he listened to me And I could tell he was thinking real deeply about how to respond. Mm -hmm. And he said, Daniel, you got that Midwakanton blood in you. And nobody can take that away. And it was like from that moment with that, that simple phrasing, it put so much in context for me. Mm -hmm. And I've never questioned my identity at least not that part of my identity. Again, to have a worldview of seven generations is to be able to know your role and what you can give back to the community 
to know your place and to have that connection and to being a good relative, to know your gifts and to have that connection to your relatives is to be able to find a way to maximize what you can give to others. Daniel started learning what it meant in his own way to be a good relative. It's called Wo Dakota. Uh, so it's about living out your values and your traditions and what that means to be a good relative, which is a cornerstone of what it means to be Dakota. So being a good relative is, is about taking care of yourself so that you can be there for others. Being a good relative to me is about relationships. And it's not only a relationship to individuals, it's also relationship to the world around you. And working in philanthropy aligns well with Daniel's values. Philanthropic values that align with Dakota values are generosity and reciprocity. Those are maybe the two most, uh, two clearest ones. Philanthropy is all about the love of humankind and how we can express that through gifts of money and how we can express that through gifts of time, talent, and treasure. So time, talent, and treasure is basically sharing your gifts in the way you can. So through volunteering or sharing resources. Mm. Does that make sense? Triple T's. <laughs> Triple T's. There you go. So Daniel and I met while he was working at Native Americans in Philanthropy in 2009. So basically a lot of cool things happened to him while he worked there, that being just one of many. <laughs> <laughs> During my time at Native Americans in Philanthropy, a lot of good things happened uh, in life. Things I came to uh, learn about myself is what I wanted to be when I grew up professionally. Mm -hmm. And that was to be the CFO of a private foundation. I wanted to stay in philanthropy so I could be part of that change where financial resources are provided so that communities can address social issues. I made a shift uh, to put myself even further down that path or put, point myself in the direction of making that happen. I, I thought that you know, just based on the odds, how few positions there are, plus, you know, working up my skills uh, and knowledge and everything that it would take to, in my mind, to be a successful CFO of a private foundation. Uh, I thought that all of that may come together in 10 to 15 years, if, if ever. I definitely remember this time, and we had a lot of discussions about how our future would look. <laughs> like, you know, of course... Like he said earlier, the best laid plans, etc. I don't know the quote. <laughs> it was a good one, though. <laughs> yeah. So all I knew is I wanted to move up north, and we didn't really know how to reconcile those two things. Yeah. Uh, but somehow it, it happened. So, he, so he's a certified fraud examiner, a certified management accountant, and he went and got his accounting degree, so another degree. And he really committed himself to learning more and more about nonprofit finance, compliance, and investing in a socially responsible way. And when he made the decision to pursue his big goal, he felt one thing in particular was holding him back. Something else I did in that time, and I talked about uh, earlier with, uh, you know, unhealthy 
ways of coping with the loss of my sister uh, is that I got clean. So I'm eight years sober uh, right now. And I knew that I needed to do that in order to be the best person that I could be. I set really high goals for myself. I knew that the best way to provide for my family and give back to my community was to, uh, to be sober. I really respect his choice. I, this is the first time I've you know, heard his you know, reasoning behind refusing to grab a beer when I ask, if him, ask him if he wants a beer. Uh, but I really, I really respect that. I mean, you, you do what you can to you know, be the most productive person. You know, he knew the best way to move forward and to be the most productive person he could be was to stop drinking. So he left Knapp to work in the finance department at the McKnight Foundation. He, he really wanted to learn more about finance in philanthropy. And so he was also on the board of the Minnesota Council on Foundations as treasurer. And he began and is now finished thank goodness, <laughs> with his uh, master's in nonprofit administration. He loved working at the McKnight Foundation and he absorbed everything. But as we all know, it doesn't hurt to be open to other opportunities. You know, I got a phone call uh, about a position in Grand Rapids, Minnesota uh, to essentially be the CFO of a private foundation. And when that call came and the offer came as well, you know, it's, it's not something that I could pass up. So even though I thought it would take 10 to 15 years, when an opportunity presents itself and you think you might be ready, take it. There's also definitely luck involved in it by focusing uh, and taking care of a lot of the things that I needed to take care of uh, to get myself ready. It meant that when I got lucky and an opportunity presented itself, I was ready, ready to say yes, ready to be successful, ready to take that next step in my career and how I can you know, continue to give back to my community. to your community. Yeah, so there's there's Daniel Lem and can I just say he works he continues to work really hard and to have that like mindset that he is lucky that he's lucky to be here in this position that it's like I think he was told to, you know, not rest now that now that he kind of accomplished the goal, but now is the time to turn it up really <laughs> and make sure he's doing the right thing. So his attitude about understanding how lucky he is and really acknowledging that people helped him along the way, I think is, is why we do this. We are sharing our gifts and in that way we are helping one another. We are being good relatives. And so I think that's just a really good lesson. And along with, um, he gave credit to a lot of folks um, while we talked I just want to thank Daniel M, bro, for 
for sharing his story with us today. Yes. Thank you, Daniel Lem. Much appreciated. I'll, I'll see you tonight for dinner. <laughs> if you want to hear more Native folks talking about their gifts and finding their purpose, search for Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine, wherever you find podcasts and find all Minnesota Native News content at minnesotanativenews.org. Native Lights, Where Indigenous Voices Shine, is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund, online at minnesotanativenews.org.